Hi, folks. Welcome to the Crack House Podcast. My name is Michael Sullivan. With me, my buddy, my pal, my compadre growing up, Chris Musky Muscolino. What's up, brother? What's up, people? What's up, Big Mike? Nothing much. Nothing much. Uh, as always, we start off uh, the show. We want to thank all the support, all the fans, all the crackheads that listen to this every week. Uh, keep liking and subscribing. Uh, share it with somebody. If you know someone, just send it to them. Send it, uh, you know, share the show, send it. Hopefully they like it. They subscribe it, rate, review, whatever. We, we can use all this. We need all the support we can get. And we appreciate all the support we have from our fans. Uh, Chris, you got anything else? Yeah, again, thank you everybody for listening. You know, I see the uh, subscribers picking up. Uh, Mike and I do this for free. You know, um, we hope it grows to a level where it's be meaningful for both of us. So every time you guys click a view or click the little subscribe button, it's definitely very helpful. So we appreciate it and I appreciate it. Thank you. ABS, always be subscribing. Subscribing, yes. <laughs> Coffee's for subscribers. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Yeah. So uh, Chris and I were talking throughout the week, what we wanted to do this week, what we wanted to talk about. We had a couple of things. Chris was talk Chris got into video games. We're talking about how much how much money like video games actually make now. And I mean, Chris had some numbers and I had some numbers and I'll, I'll just give out my numbers real quick. The game GTA five, that Grand Theft Auto five and the movie Avatar head to head Avatar worldwide made two point eight billion dollars. GTA five alone made six billion dollars. Uh to spread it out even more, the whole GTA franchise, which is roughly about 15, 16 games in total, has made about 10 billion. The entire Fast and Furious franchise has made 5.8 billion. So, uh, you know, why be a movie star when you can just sit at home and play on a computer and make video games? You know? I think it's, you know, and now you don't even and think of the overhead save making these games. There's no actors you got to pay. You pay a couple of voice people to play like the same. It's like the Simpsons. They, they have like eight people that play 80 different characters. You hire three or four people to do the voices. You know, you the, the music probably doesn't cost that much either. And whatever it costs to make the game, say if the game just costs a hundred fifty million dollars to make. Look at the money they make. So me and Michael were talking about this last week. I have some numbers to throw out, but we're really going into the bigger type of uh, the bigger picture of this. And, you know, the effect that COVID had on it as well. My wife is a saint. She puts up with all my bullshit. Uh -huh. You know, um, I could basically murder somebody, you know, to paraphrase uh -huh. an ex-president uh -huh. and she would have no problem. Uh -huh. with it. But the reality of it is if she saw me playing a video game, she flipped out because uh -huh. she she kind of envisioned it, you know, as far as me taking attention away from her. Drives her crazy. But to put things in perspective, Mike, you know, that aside, um, the video game industry I mentioned to you earlier is now bigger than the music, the movie, and sports, the global sports yeah. industry combined. So think about that for a second. I just, before we went on, I looked at the numbers there. So they do... $179 billion worth of business in the video gaming industry off 250 billion gamers. Now think about that for a second. What I just said to you, it's not only bigger than the movie industry, 
you know, you mentioned Avatar. It's bigger than the movie, music, and sports. Oh. And not just here in the U.S., globally. And it just got bigger with COVID. So everybody was at yeah. home last year and a half, yeah. whatever. And kids are, you know, communicating and people communicating through these machines more. And this thing is like, a, it's like a snowball, you know, that continues to grow and grow and grow. And I think even after COVID's over, I just, you know, it seems like it's a trend that's been really kind of growing more and more, you know, yeah. without COVID. Oh, yeah. People don't want to, you know, people didn't want to leave the house before COVID, you know. I mean, the way we have everything set up now, you order groceries to your house. You could order, you order everything to your house. You have Grubhub. Right. You don't have to go anywhere anymore. And now with video gaming, like you don't even have to go out to buy the game. You don't even have to buy the tangible game itself. You just have a system and you just download whatever you want. And, and it's not even downloading games. You can download uh, music and movies on top of it. it it's, it's one giant entertainment system now. And think about when we grew up in a story. I mean, you, you called your friend, you know, you went to ride bikes, you went to the park, you played ball, you played sports. You know, these kids have been locked up for the last year and a half. And I'm sure everybody out there who's got kids yeah. understands what I'm saying. You know, you, you're, you're, you're hanging out in your house with your wife, your spouse, significant other, and you hear three in the morning, your kid's screaming upstairs or he's talking to a friend. And they're all on these games, whether it's Fortnite or Madden or GTA yeah. or uh, FIFA, you know, which is uh, one of my bigger things, which I'm going to go into an example in a second. And, you know, we kind of talked about the effect of COVID on society. You know, we got sick, you know, how it affects it, like what you just mentioned. I don't really think things are going to go back to the way it used to be. You know, I think that this stuff is here to stay, whether it's Grubhub, Amazon, whether it's the video game industry. Um, I think people are now accustomed to this kind of stuff. I'm going to talk to you. Know, hopefully, if we have some time, I'm going to talk about uh, cryptocurrency. You know, now all of a sudden, the U.S. dollar is kind of becoming or going the way of you know maybe you know the wayside. You know, where you're now going to be able to use digital currency in the way that you buy stuff. You know, whether it's uh, you know food yeah. or you know entertainment or whatever it is. So we can kind of talk about that too. But I just found it interesting that 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 statement that it's bigger than all three of those things combined is really yeah. mind-boggling. I mean, that, and the, the, the designers are smart now. It wasn't like, like I said, man, when we played Atari, when we were kids, you could finish a game probably in like a day, like figure out a game. Now they make these games where you, you know, think about, think about a sports game. You can play a whole season. You can play an actual season. You trade players. The just the playing online now. Imagine if me and you, you know, 35 years ago, I would just call you up at your house. All right, man, let's play Missile Command together. I remember going <laughs> to your house yeah. playing Pac Man or the new yeah. Star Wars game or you know, any of those. Yeah. You know, we used to go back and forth with that. And then it delved into like the video game. Like, um, I got a good buddy of mine who I went to St. John's with. He sells refurbished video games, you know, where the stuff that we used to play in the arcades, yeah. remember how big those are for the people that are probably anywhere between the age of 35 to like 50 who grew up in Astoria, you know, you remember pizza palace and the, you know, the video games there or super a and Whitestone, And then it delved into Sega, right? Sega Genesis, I guess, in the early nineties, late eighties and Nintendo, right? Mike Tyson's video game. And then, you know, the graphics have just gotten better and better. And now to the point where, you know, I was watching something last year when COVID first broke out and there was no sports on, 
these e-gamers were basically simulating leagues and playing like, you know, you know, in the soccer leagues or in, in Madden, you know, you'd have a guy from like the New England Patriots play like uh, a guy from the New York Giants or like they were playing these big soccer matches on, uh, on FIFA where, you know, a guy from Manchester City who played for them would play like uh, a guy from Manchester United. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty cool. And then, you know, obviously there's a, there's a whole nother layer to it. There's a competitive level in both of those games some of these games where, you know, some of these streamers, like you and I do this YouTube channel, it's, it, it's growing. You know, there's a kid, I, I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. He's from the, he's from the Netherlands. He speaks no English. Um, he plays the game that I'm really into called FIFA 21. And he, he had this winning streak, you know, on a competitive level, you can play in a tournament every weekend where you match up against the best of the best. This kid speaks no English. And for, you know, he streams videos. He gets about, 300,000 views per, vid per, per, per video. And this is all on Twitch? This is all on Twitch and on YouTube. His, his stuff is out. Kid's name is Anders Virgen or something like that. But anyways, I watch him because I'm a, you know, I try to be a competitive player. I'm nowhere near his level, but make a long story short, the kid went 560 and 0 in competitive play, which is unheard of in, in that game. It's very hard to do between disconnects and a level of competition. He also has a habit of taunting people. So like he's speaking like in a foreign language, it's not Spanish or English or anything that, you know, people recognize and he taunts people, which is big in these, some of these games. So when he lost a couple of weeks ago, there were a whole slew of videos and it basically trended on Twitter to the point where I showed my wife and I'm like, I can't believe this. This is a topic on Twitter. It was like almost like 1990, you know, or 91 when Tyson lost. You know, I mean, think about that. You know, that was the big thing for us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have all these like these a kid like him. It's the same thing when like some TikToker comes out with a dance. You're like, right. Who is this kid? It's some kid that lives in Minnesota that does this. And now 50 million kids across the United States now have to do that dance and have, have to repeat it. You know, like it, you said, with GTA, I mean, in Avatar, I mean, I think there's going to probably come a point in time where these people are going to exceed the, the revenue, you know, of like actors or musicians or entertainers. Yeah. You know, think about, I guess the biggest movie actor today probably makes 30, 40 million a flick um, or used to anyways. Uh, a musician, I don't really know the numbers anymore because it's all been transformed with digital. But, um, you know, there was a guy, there was a kid a couple of years ago, uh, he went by the name of Ninja. He played Fortnite, which is big, right? Or yeah, that's a real big game, yeah. And uh, this kid was making over a million dollars a year just streaming his videos. Just playing video games. So it's pretty insane. You know, I guess the gist of this is I don't think we're getting back to the way that things were once this completely breaks down. No, we yeah. want to, you know, people want to stay inside. If, if, if your life can become more convenient and you can do less, you're going to want to, like I said, last week we talked about idiocracy is, is slowly yeah, creeping in. Like, would you just sit on your couch? We'll bring you food. Gatorade, right? Yeah, Gatorade, go to Starbucks, get a lap dance. You know, that's what it's going to be. But it's pretty insane, you know, the way that we, you know, interacted with each other. You know, I see my my kids, you know, my kids are teenagers for the most parts and the way they interact. And I know your kids as well. And it's completely different than when we grew up or even, even 10, 15 years yeah. ago, you know, how these things, you know, have transformed and, and they continue to, to get better. Like some of the graphics on these things, it's like watching like, a movie yes. and it's just insane if you show an older person like a madden they'll think they're watching a football game 
absolutely. My then father can, was watching okay. FIFA, me play a game of FIFA a couple of years ago, and he was like, he thought he was watching a real live soccer. Uh, That's yeah, how insane a, it was. It it's just, you know, when a, and what kills me is like, all right, when a guy like Steve Jobs said, "This is bad," like too much of this is bad, right? And we didn't listen to him, and he created the monster. And he told us, like, you can't do too much of this. And we just didn't listen because we're just, you know, we live with our heads buried in our phones all the time or in a computer screen or in a game console. You know, it's it's just part of life now. Yeah. And you know what? Even with the movie industry, like I, I, you know, delving into maybe one of our next topics, you know, I see some of these big movies now. They're getting released simultaneously in the theaters and on Netflix or HBO Max. It's almost... I'm almost thinking like, you know, this could be the end of like the movie theater business. You know, think about it. I mean, I think we talked about it where if you could yeah. watch a movie in the comfort of your home on your 75 or 80 inch TV, why would you ever go into a movie theater and spend two, three hundred dollars for drinks and tickets <laughs> and parking and all the nonsense <laughs> to watch the same thing, you know, in a crowded theater, you know, now in the COVID age, you know, God knows what you get in there or if it's, you know, up to code or whatever. I just don't know if that's going to ever, you know, ever recover either, you know, to be honest with you. Um, I see Tom and Jerry right now is the biggest box office hit in America. It's 13 point million or billion, whatever it did, or I think it's 13, 13 million in its open day weekend. And uh, it's the biggest COVID-19 hit so far. It's the biggest movie in America. It was released both on HBO Max and, and, and in the theater simultaneously. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it on HBO. You watched it, right? I did. I caught that and I caught Coming to America, which, you know, Coming to America two years ago, you probably would have, that would have been a huge movie release. Oh, right? that would, yeah, that would have been a hundred million dollar weekend this weekend. Right? That would have been huge. But now you're watching in the comfort of your own home, right? Um, even The Irishman a couple of years ago, right? With, uh, with De Niro, that yeah. would have been a big flick. I mean, think about that. If that was released 20, 25 years ago, that would have been like Casino or Goodfellas. Yeah. Right? You know, it would have been a huge, huge thing. But now, boom, Netflix, you can watch it. Thanksgiving. Oh, why well, go to the theater? Just watch it in the comfort of your Yeah, home. just I laid in bed last night and watched Coming to America too. And it was all right. I, I mean, which both. well, what you saw both, I saw both. I watched uh we'll, t- we'll talk Tom and Jerry first. You know I'm a huge Tom and Jerry fan, as are you. Um, I kind of like the mouse and, and, and the cat interaction. I didn't realize it was gonna be so heavy, like on the uh the live, the live actors type thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know like what it was getting into when it started either. And as soon as I started to get into it, I mean, it had its moments, but you know, as both of them really left me a little bit disappointed. I like the cast in both. You know, I yeah. think it was uh, pretty good. Um, I think Tom and Jerry had Ken Jeong uh, from The Hangover, the, the the Korean doctor, Chinese doctor, yeah. and uh, was guy Michael Pena who I think was in the shield. He's been in a lot of stuff too. Yeah. He was the kid. He was the kid in end of watch the yeah. Spanish, the uh, Spanish kid, the Mexican, he dies at the end. Jace Gyllenhaal's partner. He was the kid in Ant-Man. He was one of the, the, yes. the burglars in Ant-Man. Very funny actor. Very, very, he can be serious. He can be funny. I thought he was, he was pretty good in this. I thought, you know, for what it was, it's a kid's movie kind of, I thought he was pretty good in it. I, I you know, going back to Tom and Jerry, I thought, I wish they would kind of, touch upon the slapstick type stuff more so than the live actors. Well, you can't show the violence anymore. Like I would right. look at how much they cut. If you like, we're not going to give the movie away 
and it's it, there's not much to give away anyway but like the, the violence that you grew up on with cartoons with people getting shot in the face with guns uh burned alive drowned whatever like that really went away in this movie the the worst thing i think they really did to him was electrocute him there's a couple things that you know i mean like and, tom and get but it, 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 to me all right i'll let you review it and then i'll give you my opinion because i was not a big fan of it listen i wasn't a huge fan of it i liked it because of the tom and jerry i kind of liked the cast so it kind of um it was one guy i guess who was uh Marrying the Indian woman. He oh, Colin a- uh, Jost, the guy from SNL, the news guy actually, from SNL. Uh, he was in Coming to America yeah. too. Yeah. Well, so he was good. Um, the young girl, I guess, who played the lead role, she was good. I don't know really her from a whole. That was the chick, uh, Chloe Marit. She was hit girl in Kick Ass. She was good. She was okay, but you know, like I said, I would have just liked them to have integrated the mouse and the cat stuff and the stuff that we grew up on more so than the live action, even though I realize end of the day, you probably can't do that stuff to the, to the level that they did or, you know. No, they can't, they can't do the violence anymore. I mean, how, how many of those cartoons are probably just, just disappeared off the face of the earth? I mean, I've got you're never going to say stuff, but I mean, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, I just think, again, going back to what we talked about the last couple of weeks, you just can't take stuff out of society just because it's either not good or it's offensive to people. You gotta let people make up their minds. I, listen, I, I thought the movie was stupid and for most of it. Yeah. In the sense of like, it, they do what every Hollywood movie does now. And I talked about this a while ago with uh, Sean Donnelly, who does the DYM podcast. Mm-hmm. Shout out DYM. They're a great show. Um, where you can't have bad people anymore in a movie. You can't have a bad guy. Think about, all right, not giving away too much. Michael Payne kind of plays like a bad guy in it. Right. But by the end of the movie, everything works out. Like everybody's friends. Tom and Jerry, they hate each other for about 20 minutes into the movie. Then they're friends throughout the whole right. movie. And then at the end, it kind of like goes back to the old way. But it's just like these stupid endings. Like the bigger the star, usually, if you watch a movie with, a really big star and he's playing the bad guy by the end of the movie, he finds all these redeeming qualities and he becomes a good person. And that that's pretty much what they do with every movie. Like Michael, like we said, Michael Pena was kind of the bad guy and then it all works out and then everyone's happy. And bah, 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 bah. I think the last big one that I can remember anyways, where it was a really popular actor that ended up, you know, kind of playing a really bad guy that didn't like towards the end of the movie or really throughout the movie was Denzel in Training Day. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Denzel played all those Disney movies. Great guy. But I mean, that movie too was also to be like, this is a gritty, that, that was a real movie. That was right. that was acting and that, there's no cartoon cat that, and mouse. Could you make that today? I don't know. I think you could. Could you get away with that? I mean. You, could, you probably could, but it would be, it would be, you know, it, it would probably get a lot of flack, but I think the movie does get made. I think it's that good of a movie, especially too, if you have that big of a, a powerhouse with like him and Ethan Hawke in, the, in those two roles, I think you could still make that movie. I would hope so. I mean, I think that's probably the best example, kind of counteracting what you're saying today. But um, the way things are going, I don't know if they could really, or uh, let's put it this way. I would agree with you. I think the movie gets made, but I don't necessarily know if a guy like Denzel would actually take the role because think about it. 
he showed another range to his character. You know, he always played the good guy. You know what, though? That's what those guys want to do every now and again. They just yeah. want to play a real bad guy. And it, you know what? It paid off for him at the end. He walked away with an Academy Award. So, yeah, you know. That was so, pretty interesting. Yeah. So what? Uh, and then what the hell? Oh, Coming to America too. What did you think of it? Kind of in the middle of it. I, I mean, listen, Eddie Murphy, um, I think I made the analogy today on Twitter. Some guy was talking about, or I saw the analogy of making, is Kevin Hart as funny as Eddie Murphy? And to me, the analogy that I made was comparing Kevin Hart to Eddie Murphy, to me is like comparing LeBron to Michael Jordan. They're both great. They're all yeah. great, you know? But to me, the level that Eddie Murphy's on and the level that Michael Jordan is on, as good as those guys are, as Kevin Hart and LeBron are in their respective industries, they're nowhere near them. It's, so, it's, a, it's a generational thing. I think if you find, like you find someone 15 years younger than us, and they're going to be like, oh, Kevin Hart blows away Eddie Murphy. Not necessarily. Maybe, I mean, because I, I, what Kevin, you know what it is? Kevin Hart has more stand-up background. He's got like tons of, besides his movies, he he's got four, four or five, I think, maybe even six, like one-hour stand-up specials where Eddie Murphy has two. He's, I mean, Kevin Hart's all over the place. He is, and it's a great comparison. But I also say, I don't think it is a generation type thing because I listen to guys and I have friends, like whether it's Colin Cowherd with uh, LeBron, you know, Cowherd's about 10 years older than us. I watch his show all the time. He makes comparisons where he thinks LeBron is better than, in some cases, Jordan. He argues that. Um, I've heard Stephen A. kind of go back and forth with that type of stuff. Um, I, also with Tom Brady and Joe Montana. I've got mm -hmm. friends, our age. They think Brady's the greatest. It's no, no contest for them. Um, so I think it, it, it depends. I mean, I do see your point. I mean, I do think there is some sort of generally, generation type thing that goes on. But I, I just think that for me anyways, to answer your question, going back to coming to America, First and foremost, the movie will always be a hit in my head because Eddie Murphy is the star. So yeah. going, into, going into watching Coming to America 2, I, I was predetermined to like the movie because Eddie Murphy was in it. And sure enough, you know, even though he wasn't as prominent or I guess maybe as maybe raunchy, you know, I, I'm trying to put it into words that maybe everybody understand if they see it. His mere presence made the movie a winner for me. Now, in terms of as good as the first one, it's not. You know, my the way I interpret it was it was a decent movie. It was a nice take on it. You got great cameos. It had a good cast, same as like um, Tom and Jerry. I think actually the cast was better than Tom and Jerry. You know, you had the girl from Saturday Night Live, the big girl. Um, oh, Leslie Jones was good in it. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan is a favorite of mine. I think he's absolutely hysterical. He I, I is like a real funny guy. Um, Arsenio made his appearance. Yeah. John Amos was back in it from Good Times. Um, yeah, James Earl. Yeah, Ohio, you know the big the big guy who uh, you know sings and is like the uh, the henchman, you know, for the king. Uh, uh, Darth Vader was in there. Earl, uh, Earl yeah, Weber James Earl Jones. There was one. There was one missing. I don't know if you caught on. The sister. Queen. Well, she's dead. Right, the, the wife's queen, dead. The, the queen, queen chicken dead. Mad was it? Madge Sinclair was the queen. She's yeah. dead. She passed. She passed away like 
20 years or like a few years after the movie, maybe less than 10 years after the movie. But the okay. sister from McDowell's, they never explained to her why. I've read something. There was something that went on and with that. Um, her and the Soul Glow guy, the other guy, Eric uh, yes. LaSalle, the guy that was on ER after that. He had a decent, real decent right, career right, right. after that. Yeah, they great, both yeah. were just kind of, you know, nowhere to be found. And they don't, yeah, explain, that. They don't explain it. And... Did we talk about this last week about Louis Anderson, who made an appearance too? Yeah, we talked about how he got the role. He's in it. You know, he's got five quick minutes in it, you know. That was an interesting take. So uh, for the audience out there that didn't know it, Louis Anderson apparently picked up a dinner for Eddie Murphy and, and his entourage in a club one night. And basically when Eddie Murphy went to cast it, I guess there was some sort of quota that they had to fill in terms of putting a white guy into the movie. And they put Louis Anderson in it. And Louis Anderson swears that the reason that he got the role is because he, he picked up a $600 yeah. ad for Eddie Murphy. And he says it was the best $600 that he ever spent. It's pretty interesting. He had his five minutes of fame. Um, the story was a little disjointed. I mean, I you know, they kind of show in the beginning it was some sort of continuity. And then it just got too wrapped up, I guess, into, well, I'm not going to give the movie away to everybody, but I just felt they spent too much time on, on the ancillary characters. You know, the kid. Yeah. Uh, um, Tracy Morgan, I thought, was fantastic. Yeah. Anything that he does, I, I laughed hysterically. I liked him. Mm -hmm. But I could have done less with uh, Leslie from Saturday Night Live. I could have done less with the kid. It was they were both good, but I would have liked to have them. Have well, him I think the, yeah, the, the guy to play the, the guy to played the kid. He, I think he's super young too. He's like twenty three or twenty four. He's a New York comedian, uh, Jermaine. I think it's Jermaine Fowler. Yeah, he's supposed to going to be the next big thing. He's funny. Just being off of this, and it was he was very funny in the movie. Like you said, I I, I kind of felt to me, the movie was like going to your high school reunion, I guess. Yes. It was like, oh, look at all these people I haven't seen in, in 30 years or 25 years, whatever, guy whatever it was. I thought really had a great part in it. I thought did a fantastic job. And he's one of those guys that really at the height of his career, he was probably one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. I guess he fell into some sort of problems with taxes and yeah. U.S. government. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was phenomenal. I thought he was scary in this movie. And funny, and he was good, man. Like he, he played like the whole gambit in this. To me, this is like his big comeback movie, kind of. Like I know he did like one of the, I think he did one of the Expendables, you know, after he got out of jail. Um, what was funny was the joke in uh, Zombieland. Did you watch Zombieland too? Double Tap. I didn't, but I got. If you watch the first five minutes, that's all I watched of it, <laughs> and I probably saw the funniest thing in the first five minutes. Woody Harrelson's character goes into the white, like they take over the White House in the beginning. And the first thing he does when he sits down at a desk, he pardons Wesley Snipes. You watch him writing out this decree, I pardon Wesley Snipes, which was funny. Yeah, he was huge, man, at one point, like in the early Oh, night. yeah, the Blade Trilogy, all those action movies, Rising Sun. He did a whole Art of War. He did a whole bunch. And yeah, uh, uh, he ran into the tax problems where he went yeah. to the country and he owed a ton of money, right, to the government. Yeah, he went to jail. I thought he was phenomenal, man. I thought of, of all the characters that they introduced, I thought he he was great. Yeah, he was really funny. I liked the little, um, they did what they did in the first one. They, there's a little throwback to uh, Trading Places in it. Yes. Which uh, we won't give, I won't give it away, but it's right in the beginning. You'll, if you can't figure it out, shame on you, because it's right in your face. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, the movie, it, if, if you're of age and you saw the first one, then 
you're gonna love you'll you'll like this movie because it's all like pretty much everyone is in it from the first movie and mike you hit it on the head i think it's like a high school reunion for people like you haven't seen people in 20 30 years you know if we went back and saw the imac people or in my case or our case mcclancy or st john's yeah you know, some of these people I haven't seen 20, 30 years, you know, it'd be cool to see some people again that you haven't seen in, in a long time. I just think the mere presence of Eddie made, made the movie for me. I told you a couple weeks ago, I, I didn't want to watch it because I felt that a lot of the jokes they did back then you couldn't do right now, but they did, you know, they kind of touched on some of the stuff in, in, in a good way. You know, they did it pretty cool so that you, you kind of tiptoed around it, but you got the, the gist. The barbershop scene had, you know, they... Yeah. They cross the line in a couple of jokes in the barbershop scene. Right. When they go back to the original barbershop with all the old, you know, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio, right, right. and uh, he plays the old Jewish guy. And one thing left out, another thing from the barbershop scene. In the original, the kid getting his hair cut in the original is an unknown Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know I that. Get, I guess because he's having some problems with the ladies right now. They probably didn't ask him back because that would have been a great throwback too. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I think he got locked up on like three or four charges of sex abuse on women or whatever. So I guess, I, I guess they figured, let him sit this one out. My take is look, if you're, if you're an Eddie Murphy fan, you definitely got to check it out. Arsenio's in there too. They're great cast. Um, you know, there's definitely, it's enjoyable. You know, will I say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread? No. You know, I think the first one is hands above what we talked about last week. It's very difficult for a scene, God bless you, to yes. um, be better than, than than the original. I thought it was I thought it was OK. I thought it was OK. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's put it this way. If it was in the theaters, I probably would have gone out and spent 20 bucks to see it in the theaters. If it was released like it was 30 years ago. Um, would I recommend it to people if I went and spent 20, 30 bucks? Probably not. You know, I would have said, you know, Mike, it was cool, but I would I would wait for it to come to DVD. You know, that would be. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I read a, a few people I read online said the same thing. Like, I don't know if I'd go see this in the theater, but sitting on my couch enjoying this wasn't too bad. So, right. So you know, check it, out. Check it out. Yeah, definitely check it. I thought I thought both movies, the Tom and Jerry one and this one, they were entertaining on some level. They had good cast. Like I said, if you're a fan of either the you know the cartoon series or Eddie Murphy, I think it's it's, it's definitely worth your while. All right, all right. So we're done with uh, our little movie reviews for the week. Um, Chris, I was going to ask you a question, and uh, maybe you can uh, enlighten the audience on this. You recently uh, refinanced your house, correct? Yes. Why don't you explain to everyone what you did? So mine was a unique situation. So my house, I've owned my house for about 15 years. I had some stuff that was involved in the refinance that was pretty difficult. I looked for many years, different places, different, um, I guess, institutions to try to help me. A lot of these places were either unhelpful or they just didn't know how to resolve the situation. And without really going into too much in the semantics of it all, I came across a broker friend of mine. I was a stockbroker for many years, uh, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, for those that know me, um, you know, I worked with this guy and he basically 
he figured out my situation. He helped me, he helped me refinance in a very uh, tough situation. He, he got all the things mm-hmm. that I needed done, done. And he was very helpful to me. Um, I plugged his name a couple of times already. Um, you know, it's Cardinal Financial and Jay Cristiano. And uh, basically, in a nutshell, Jay helped me refinance when nobody could figure out my situation or help me. Got me a great rate. He was very hardworking. He made a couple of conference calls that were involved in getting the refinance done that a lot of people didn't know how to do. So, you know, look, I, I've plugged his name a couple of times already. I can't stress enough if you're looking to buy a home or uh, sell a home or refinance or anything along the lines of, you know, in the real estate, you know, having to do with real estate, he's definitely your guy. He's a very hardworking guy. You know, I've known him for about 30 years. You know, he's a very street smart guy. He comes from Flushing, Queens. Um, you know, if you have a situation where you need a little help, you know, he would be the guy that I recommend to you. Um, I've said his name in passing. Um, I'm going to give you his telephone number now, which is 631-339-0853. Please give him a shout out. You know, if you, if you have any needs, you know, um, I can't stress enough how helpful he was for me and my, my family. And, uh, hopefully he can help one of you, uh, you, you people out as well, who are listening. And just on a side note, it wasn't just me that he helped out. I think one of my neighbors actually saw his name on a website called Smithtown Moms that my my wife patrols or patrons. And uh, make a long story short, I guess she saw his name through there. She asked for a recommendation. I gave it to her, and he helped her out as well. So it's not just me that he helped out, but my na- you know my next door neighbor. And just so you know, I mean. You know, generally speaking, when, when you talk about referrals, I mean, I'm not getting paid by Jay in any ways or anything, neither is Michael, to the best of my knowledge of any of the people that he puts out there. But you generally don't refer people that you're not confident in. So I wouldn't tell people to use this guy if I wasn't confident in his ability and his professionalism and his integrity. So listen, I can't stress enough. If any, any people out there are listening to this and need help, please give them a call. You know, um, He's a great guy, and uh, he's very professional. He'll help you out. All right. Chris, what's that number one more time? 631-339-0853. All right. Go check Jay out. You need some help with your house? Check out my man Jay. Uh, All right. Back to the show. All right. Going from refinancing houses to kids getting touched. Let's go to Woody Allen. You really didn't watch the documentary too much, right? You said you caught like bits and pieces of it or whatever. Pieces of it. You know, it's really tough. I mean, look, for me, it's difficult because I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan. I mean, I watched his movies like anybody else who's a fan or, you know, is in our age bracket. I thought he was moderately funny. I caught the gist of it. I definitely know how it, you know, I think is going to end. You had a couple interesting takes of it. I kind of saw the same thing as far as the pictures that you're going to mention. Um, you know, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think when, when the thing is all said and done, you're probably going to get some sort of confirmation like Michael Jackson years ago, where if you're a fan of his, you're probably not going to be too happy with it. If you're not a fan of it, you know, it's probably going to confirm everything that you believe, you know, about him. Yeah. It's just, I mean, he's just a real, he just comes off on this thing as a real creepy guy. And then as they go into it more, you start to uh, they have like a lot of, I guess, movie scholars, whatever you want to call them. They get interviewed and 
they start bringing up, watch every movie he does. And it, it, it's pretty much like 99% on. Every movie he's in where he's a lead or one of the characters in it, his female co-star is like 25, 30 years younger than him. Yeah, like, his, like, like the first movie, Manhattan. I mean, Annie Hall, they're kind of probably maybe like a 10-year difference, it looks like. But I mean, Manhattan... They break it down. The character he plays in Manhattan, he's 42. And Mariel Hemingway, who's was it? Hemingway's granddaughter, I think it is, is 17 years old in the movie. And that's his girlfriend. And I mean, it, it's really it, he's a creepy dude. They they go through the whole thing uh, with him. And then uh, there's the whole thing of the adopted daughter. It's not even like they don't even get to soon ye. They start talking stuff about the adopted daughter where he's like, she's like four years old, I think, three, four years old. And he's doing stuff to that kid. The the daughter, uh, what's her name? Dylan. That he's he's doing stuff with her and they caught uh, one of the maids or one of nannies right, caught right. him in a room with her. It's just, he's a real sick dude. If this is all true, I mean, it's a one-sided thing, but he's a sick dude. Here's my take on it. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put a question out to the audience out there and think about it for a second. So I haven't really seen the whole thing. Michael's obviously watched a lot more than I have. I saw a couple pieces. Michael's going to go to it, uh, the picture in a couple moments. But let me think, let me pose this to everybody. Five years from now, if this documentary is made, 10 years, 15 years from now, this thing may not be an issue with him, with the underage people. Because where I'm going with this is in 1929, Alcohol is bad, right? One year later, no problem. You can drink, right? 20, 30 years ago, homosexuality, taboo. Now, no problem with it. Transgenderism, right? Hey, listen, 30 years ago, all sorts of negative aspects of it, kind of, you know, moving more towards the mainstream. My guess is five, 10 years from now, if you, if you really want to see the trend of where society's going, you know, you may not, you may look back at this documentary and say, you know what? So we slept with a 14 year old. Well, Jerry Lee Lewis did it back in the day, right? Yeah. Elvis. Elvis, right? Mm -hmm. You're looking at it now and saying, wow, this guy's a creepy, you know what? But five, 10 years, 15 years from now, if this thing was made, I don't know if you get the same reaction, you know, um, think about, think about weed for a second. You know, we're probably on the cusp of marijuana becoming legalized in all 50 States at some point over the next five years. You know, you're in law for ex law enforcement. I get caught with a brick of weed. What's happening to me, Mike? Well, now you gotta, you know, if you get caught now, you're fucked in New York. But like you said, who knows five years down from now down five the years, road? Ten years from now, have a good day. Be, right. Have a good day. See you later. Right. So I guess what I'm saying with Woody Allen is, you know, we're talking about it. We all kind of know the gist of it. You know, I'm probably gonna go into a little bit more, you know, watching when I have a chance later today or what have you. But I think it's kind of the framework of, of time. You know, we're talking about 2021. In 2031, you may look at this documentary and be like, no big deal. Right? Nah, he's still a fucking weirdo. I do too. <laughs> I, I, listen, anyway, you want to cut creepy, but he's still a like there was well, like you were talking about with the picture. Uh there's the rumor now. A few people, I'm not the one who discovered this whole thing, but there's rumors, alleged rumors that have been going around for years in Hollywood. Now, it, it even starts like Mia Farrow was married to Frank Sinatra back in the 70s. Right. 
Now it goes back even to like Mia Farrow's mother. Like it, it, it's a whole weird scene that's wacky. A, you know, their story is supposedly that Mia Farrow's mom was banging Sinatra in the forties, <laughs> and that Mia Farrow is his kid. So he basically <laughs> married his daughter. The other thing with him and Mia Farrow is, you know, uh, Woody Allen's the father of the kid, Satchel, who changed his name to Ronan. Right. They think Frank Sinatra is that kid's father. And, you know, it's so like Frank Sinatra's his own dad, granddad, whatever. I don't know even what you call that. It's weird shit, man. It really but is. I mean, here's here's the picture. I can't get it up on the screen, but. Here is a picture of the three of them. Woody Allen, Frank Sinatra, and Ronan Farrow. You tell me who Ronan Farrow looks more like. It's Frank, man. You know, I'll tweet it out when the show comes out, but it's it's really weird. Like, it's just a creepy, creepy thing. And yeah, like I said, if, you, if you're into that documentary, if you've been watching it, I think there's two more left. Like, the... Right when that documentary ends tomorrow night, the, the show will premiere. So our show will be out. But I mean, he's a real I mean, it, it seems like he's like the hermit now of New York. Yeah. Like he's still he, you know, but I mean, that's the way Hollywood is. I mean, you know Roman what? Roman Polanski years ago raped the yeah. girl. The guy won the Academy Award like 10, 15 years ago. Listen, I love Michael Jackson's music. I met Michael Jackson back in Trump Tower in 94. Right. The analogy I make with Woody Allen is you and I think that he's a creepy bastard. I think people that have viewed this thing and really go into detail will probably think the same thing, regardless of what happens to society. But like Michael Jackson, I think that is his fans. You know, I yeah. speak to really hardcore Michael Jackson fans. They don't care what you say. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, if he got caught red handed. They're a fan of the guy. And like Chappelle said years ago, he made Thriller. You know, you yeah. kind of everything out the window and i think to a lesser extent that's the same deal with woody allen as creepy as you and i might think he is there are people that really think you know he's the greatest thing since sliced bread when it comes to comedy no big deal you know they'll point out to the things i mentioned where society's maybe going they'll look at this thing and say no big deal you he's know? a genius right i was never a huge fan of him to be honest with you i mean he made some good stuff He's made movies here and that like he but his movies too, like they just never make he it's for the artists. Right. Basically. And he's very supposedly he's very he's very weird. Like when he when he casts the movie, he can cast someone and within like a day or two, if he does, and it's like a big star too. He'll just he'll throw them off the set. It doesn't work. Get get him out of here. Just a very odd guy, weird guy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Check it out. I mean, I'm definitely going to follow up on it. I probably, uh, like I said, I caught bits and pieces. My primary thing this week was to watch the Coming to America thing. I didn't realize it was going to come out uh, when it did. And, you know, obviously Tom and Jerry wanted to check out for a while. So I saw a couple other things on Netflix. I was tweeting it out today. There's um, there's a movie called The King, you know, uh, which is about King Henry. You know, for all those Shakespeare fans out, it talks about the... uh, you know, I think we read this play back at McClancy back in the day, and it's with the, the kid with the good hair, you know, from uh, the vampire movies, Robert Pattinson. 
Yeah, yeah, Batman. Yeah. The new Batman. And there's some French kid who lives in New York City, um, I guess plays the English King Hal, you know, King Henry. Okay. It's pretty good. You know, if you have a chance, check it out. I, you know, I was pretty impressed. I saw another movie with the, with the French kid today um, with Stephen Carell, where he plays like a, like a heroin addict. Stephen Carell was really good in it. I think it's called The Beautiful Boy or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. I, it's based on a true story, too, I think. I think the I kid think wrote so. a, The father or the son wrote the book about it. Like Pretty interesting. You know, dealing with uh, addiction and everything. Yeah, I want to throw that out there. And, uh, you know, I think we talked about this this morning on Twitter. You know, I was going back and forth. I saw a couple things, uh, some cancel culture updates, going back to what we talked about before with uh, Tom and Jerry. So allegedly, Pepe Le Pew and Speedy Gonzalez are now under the gun for, quote, promoting rape culture. Which all right, well, all right, all right. Pepe Le Pew, I get. <laughs> I can, I can, I can get on the Pepe Le Pew. What did Speedy Gonzalez do? No idea. I think a little bit had to do with the like the negative stereotype, I guess, of him and Hispanic people. I mean, I don't know what it was, but allegedly they're saying that that character promoted, I guess, you know, rape, rape or rape culture. It was really weird. I mean. You know, if you really want to go back, I mean, to the Tom and Jerry for a second, how many things that they left out of this one that if they did today, you'd be finished from from the African-American maid to like, uh, yeah, that, you know, yeah, is you is or is you ain't my baby. And he's why wasn't that in the movie that pissed me I, off? I forgot to bring that up. Right. The best song he ever sang when he's, you know, every time Tom tried to bang like one of the, the woman cats, female cats, <laughs> and he would play the bass is you. You thought it was going to pop up. He plays the goddamn piano in the movie. Right, 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 so right. So stupid. And they don't sing. They don't talk throughout the entire movie. That's like one of my favorites of all time. And yeah. Like, it on the head. You know, I used to go to, when I first met my wife, I used to do that whole scene. I love you. Mm -hmm. uh, you set my heart on fire. Yeah. Yeah, they like, couldn't light them on fire. Yeah. I the mouse couldn't light them on fire. Right? Yeah. So I saw, that, I saw that stuff this morning. And yeah, I, I didn't really get into it, you know, as far as what, you know, Pepe Le Pew I got, but. You know, it was just, you know, going back to what we talked the last couple of weeks, it's just, where does it end, man? I mean, like, right. you could literally spend time and time just delving into this old stuff, which I'm sure there's offensive stuff in it all, but... Speedy Gonzalez is just a mouse on cocaine, basically. He's just, like, right. running around Mexico and, you know... Speedy alone, bro. I mean, yeah. it's going to be Wiley Co Co Coyote and the Roadrunner. Who knows, man? It's just pretty insane. I uh, guess I guess you could say he got me-pewed. <laughs> And I keep on seeing stuff with this guy. The, the, another guy, I think I mentioned to you a couple of times, is this Mr. Pillow guy, uh, Michael Lindell. You know, he's got the big pillow company out of Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, he's a weird guy. Listen, I, some of the stuff seems a little bit interesting. Some of it's a little far-fetched. Some of it I happen to agree with. But, um, you know, he's getting sued by Dominion, the voting machines. He keeps on claiming that there's voter fraud. You know, look, I've got my opinions on what happened, you know, a couple months ago. I'm sure everybody out there as to one way or the other. But um, I guess this guy, he put his opinions out there and he's now getting sued by Dominion voting machines for slander, for basically saying the machines- Machines you know, didn't, yeah. And then um, I was watching some of the CPAC thing last week, you know, where, you know, the ex-president was giving his speech. And I guess he was on an interview with Newsmax. And like, I guess he was saying stuff that will get you now thrown off Twitter or like if you mention any anti-vaccine type stuff or any um, 
any stuff along the lines of uh, election fraud, Twitter gives you a warning. And then I think one of those topics, if you do it often enough, they throw you out completely. So I guess what was happening was this guy was getting interviewed. And I guess Newsmax, one of these outlets, said to him, like, shut up, stop, because we're going to get the whole feed is going to come down if you continue. Like yeah. YouTube or Facebook are going to cut the feed off. And he kept on going and going and going. And his thing was because Mike, because he was jeopardizing the show. And then lastly, I think that some of the manufacturers out there, you know, the targets and stuff, they've cut out the distribution of his of his product, which I don't really think is fair. You know, going back to what we talked about, you know, Pepe Le Pew or Tom and Jerry, whoever, or whatever is being canceled these days. I mean, look, uh, you know, people have a right to say what I guess their opinion is, as long as they're not hurting anybody or committing a crime. You know, listen, you need a little thicker skin on some level. And look, I get the other end of it, too. I mean, some of it, some of the stuff that people say is completely offensive to people. But, you know, you get to the point where you're destroying people and destroying, you know, people's lives and stuff, yeah. livelihood. I think, you know, again, I just ask, you know, where does it where does it end? I mean, well, I mean, too, like you got like you said, this guy and his pillow millions is getting censored. And yet. You know, no one says anything about the governor and his three allegations where it's like, oh, let's just let it play out. Right. Everyone's kind of just like, I mean, you have few the the super hardcore left is talking about like something's got to be done. But those closer to the center are just like staring around and like, you know, Bill de Blasio is like, yeah, get him, get him. I, I just read somewhere he's talking about a run, a run for governor. And look, we've hit it on the head the last, you know, we've buried the guy for the last couple of weeks. We've talked about Cuomo, but, you know, let's talk about Biden for a moment. Again, you know, he's our president. You know, I support him. Whoever's the president is, I support. But he basically called Texas and the governor of Texas a bunch of Neanderthals, you know, for basically, I guess, taking off the masks. There's no mask mandate now in Florida or Texas. And I talked to my mother a couple a couple of days ago. We were talking about, you know, getting together and you know, they're going to get vaccinated and stuff. But, you know, here, you know, you get one side that's being censored and the other side that's not. Why does the president of the United States get to call this guy Neanderthal and people who are not wearing masks on a regular basis, like up here in New York or California, yet, you know, Cuomo skates, right? You know, anything, you know, it just seems really politically partisan. And then, you know, for those out there that think that it's right, you know, you know, and you know, listen, the president was right in saying that about the governor of Texas. I'll give you some numbers. So before we got on, California has 37 million people, right? New York's got 19.5 million people. Florida's got 21 million people. Texas has got 27 million people. Okay. The amount of COVID cases in California are 37, uh, 37 million. In New York, it's 19.5 million. I, I, I'm sorry. It's 1.6 million for cases in New York. It's 3.5 million cases in California. It's 2.6 in Texas, 1.9 in Florida. The amount of people in Florida and Texas are 27 and 21 million respectively. The amount of deaths in the respective states, so California's got 54,000 deaths. New York's got 48,000. Texas has got 45,000 and Florida's got 31,000. So here here are the comparisons. New York and California, Democratic governors, you have 5.1 million cases in those states. 56, 56 million people combined in those two states and 102,000 deaths. In the states where, quote, the Neanderthals live and now are basically 
living normal lives. You have 4.5 million cases. You have 48 million people and 76,000 deaths. You tell me who's the Neanderthal. You tell me who's, whose numbers are better. And it's the Texas, Florida guys that from the beginning have done things differently than we have up here or in California. Yet you got the president calling these people Neanderthals and you got a guy like Cuomo kind of, you know, you don't say anything about it. So, you know, again, when you come back to cancel culture and when you get into like, you know, politics on some level, and I'm sure, I'm sure some people will, you know, you know, take umbrage with that. It just seems a little odd, man. You know, and if you really look into the numbers, it's, it's really effed up. In my well, opinion. I mean, I mean, too, the whole thing is, is going to be, all right, they just got dropped the mask mandate. Now, here's the thing. If they see an uptick of 3%, they're going to get hammered. Sure. We told you, we told you not to take the mask off. So that's where the whole thing comes from. They, they, this isn't any more about vaccinations or where I'm at. They want a cure. They just want like, so they think like some cure is going to like, what the, what was the, the M night Shyamalan movie with Marky Mark, where it oh, just yeah, finally yeah. goes away. I think they're waiting for it to just go away in the wind. Like, just go away. You know, you got the people on on one side that are exactly what you're saying. And look, I'm cautious. You and I both had it. But here's the deal. It seems like one part of the country is living a completely different life than we are. We're still locked down. You know, restaurants, businesses are being hurt. People are still at home. Yeah, New York doesn't start. I think New York City doesn't start till like April 2nd. The kids are going to start limiting. You know, school this week. But I'm home. I'm home till June. My business is closed. And they were hot to trot last year to get us back. And I guess they realized it. California's had, you know, initially it looked like a good idea, but their lockdown has been really more onerous than New York's. And then on the flip side, again, I talk to people throughout the country in New York and uh, I'm sorry, in Texas and Florida, these people, they've been running around for the last six, seven months. Like it's almost not 2019. So I just found it kind of odd, you know, based on what we were talking about and what I saw today, where, you know, you get the president of the United States picking on Republican governors in Republican states, calling them names, and the numbers kind of flying in the face of what the guy's saying. And on top of it, the worst part of it is he's letting, I guess, a whole bunch of people from uh, South America and Mexico, what have you, in here. Which again, I'm all for immigrants. I'm an immigrant. You are too. We come from mm-hmm. families, right? But here they are coming into the country and, quote, now they don't want to test them because, quote, According to his press secretary, it's not their responsibility. So here you are, you're killing the state, <laughs> taking their masks off, but you're lying all these people <laughs> documented through their borders. Nobody's testing them. Nobody knows what the hell they have or if they have COVID or not. And then you're getting a response saying, not, it's not our responsibility. So again, I just, look, I'm behind the guy. He's the president either ways. You know, I'm sick of the divisive bullshit. But when it comes to cancer culture and one-way thought, you know, again, and maybe, listen, maybe I'm blind. Maybe I don't see the other side, the other point of view. But when it comes to any of this stuff, I think you, you, you got to have two viewpoints. I mean, you really. No, no. Uh, I mean, it's just certain things. When he when he comes out, when Biden comes out and says he wants to shut it down, it was like he's helping the country. You know, when Trump did it a year ago, he was xenophobic. I mean, yeah. it, it's like. You know. Come on. They're, they're both trying to do the right thing in the sense of trying to save lives. Now, every, like I said, every state's going to be different. Some states want to open up. So 
there's going to be another that's what everyone's waiting for everyone's sitting around now like cnn is waiting for that 10 percent spike in florida and texas just so they could have some other doctor on and say see we told you so and guess what we, it's not changing told you, because you know, the reality of it is these guys have been look i was talking to people in florida last year over the phone at my business they were in restaurants man six months well, six months ago you know and again I'm not a business owner. I don't own a restaurant, but I can tell you this much. You know, if I owned um, if I owned a small eatery or a restaurant or a bar or whatever, I'd be pissed, you know, or a church for that matter, right? If I'm a, you know, some of these places got completely shut down. And, you know, when you see, you know, some of the stuff that what happened the last year or two where some stuff was allowed in these places, it would make me pissed off. And it would make me even more pissed off if I had relatives or friends or new people in states like Florida or Texas or parts of the Midwest, right? That are completely opened up. You know, it's like literally, if you went to Florida tomorrow, you'd be living a normal life. You'd be in a restaurant, you'd be, uh, you know, with your friends, you know, you're not walking around with a mask, which again, I have no problem with. I mean, we talked about it. I have no problem being cautious. I don't want it again. I don't want to spread it to anybody. And I definitely don't want to spread it to, you know, to loved ones or family or whoever. No. But, you know, again, when you talk about science and the numbers, I just read you guys the numbers. The numbers are telling you that those people down there have got the right ideas. And if they didn't, you'd see much higher numbers in the opposite way. But whatever. Take a look at it, folks. I mean, you know, don't take my word for it. Look at the numbers. Um, you know, pretty interesting stuff either ways. Now, I wanted to also talk to you, Michael. I mean, going off the, the, the topic, I think we kind of hit the politics on the head here, you know, enough this week, I'm sure. Some people out there are probably sick of, you know, you know, hearing my voice or your voice, you know, with this stuff. But um, how about this clubhouse thing? So I, I sent you an invite a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago. And um, it's pretty interesting for those that don't know about clubhouse. It's some sort of basically like Twitter type, Facebook type event, uh, uh, social media platform where you can only get invited. And basically, instead of communicating with people like through text it's through voice or audio and the interesting part of it is you could be in a room with anybody ranging from like an elon musk or a bill gates to a mc hammer or a you know an actor you know um it's all wide open so i got invited by somebody i used to work with who now works for the company they gave me an invite and i sent michael the invite you know i kind of bounced around for you know for a couple of a uh, couple of hours I didn't really find anything really interesting other than I was in a room with MC Hammer <laughs> and talk, you know, which was pretty cool. But, you know, I, probably, I found it pretty interesting. I, I wondered, you know, if you, you know, what your experience was with it. I bounced around. I couldn't find anything. But you know what it was, too? You sent it. Uh, when I got it, it was late at night. Mm -hmm. So I, got, I went in. I bounced around a little bit. Couldn't find anything. And then I just haven't done it since because I've been running around doing everything else. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's something you got to do in like the middle of the day or at the end of the day. Is it certain times when people are having these discussions? Because it seems like it's just a random pop up thing. Like it, if like if Bill Gates wants to go into Clubhouse, he's just all right. I'm going to go on and talk about uh, the future of uh, pandemics and what we can do to, to solve them you right. know, or whatever. I found it pretty interesting. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and. Uh, I heard one of, I guess, the comedians, Tim Dillon, Long Island guy, he yeah. was talking about it. And um, 
I found it pretty interesting. And I, I made a request to get on it. And you, you're not getting in unless you get an invite. And I think yeah. once you get in, you only have two invites. So it's not like you can invite your invite the entire family. But it seemed pretty cool. And it you know, definitely seems like it has some upside. And again, like Twitter, well, like Facebook, well, more so Twitter than Facebook, because Facebook is really just confined to the people that, you know, and family and friends. Whereas like Twitter is more of like a direct response with people. I think it's almost like it could be potentially like Twitter on steroids. Yeah. You know, where yeah, the way where you're getting that like direct interface with some people, because I know, yeah, there's some rooms you can just listen and other rooms you can actually interact. But yeah, yeah to, to be in a room with like an Elon Musk or, you know, Mark Cuban or whoever else, one of these billionaire tech tech guys, it's got to be interesting just to listen and hear, hear their takes on just, you know, uh, economic trends as well as, you know, just life in general, how they live their life. Speaking of economic trends, I mean, um, for all those in the know or heard about it, you know, Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies. Look, I'm an ex-finance guy. You know, I was in the, I was a broker for many years. You know, for many years, I think this was a joke or running joke with this cryptocurrency and the Bitcoin stuff. And essentially, what it is, it's a basically way to transact. You know, through a digital digital dollar or digital currency. So Bitcoin has gone from like basically a thousand a share or a thousand dollars you know, in, in, in US dollars to $50,000 in the span of about five years. And the reason I bring it up, going back to Mark Cuban for a second, you know, Tesla and Apple are now making it so that if you want to buy an Apple device or an Apple car, which is in the rumor, or a Tesla vehicle, yeah. you're going to be able to use it by purchasing it through Bitcoin, through digital currency, which going back to what we talked about before, you know, I think because of COVID, people all of a sudden, you're going to be less likely or less inclined to transact using, you know, hard currency, you know, and people that aren't walking around with gold bricks in their pockets. So this is the next best thing. And it's interesting that when you get companies like Tesla and Apple that are now making it available, that you can actually buy stuff with this cryptocurrency, I think it's got some legs. And also, I wanted to make mention that investment firms are making recommendations in it. You know, hedge funds, they're buying it and they're offering guidance on it, which is a huge precursor to how it gets into implemented into the financial markets, which has been avoided like the plague for the last couple of years. Now, that like a joke. Now, like a quick question with that is, all right, it's $50,000 or whatever it is a share now. Right. Are there other cryptocurrencies I can get into right now that are like three cents yeah. a share? Yeah. Five cents a share? And so then I just pray that it goes up to you know thousands of dollars you know again i'm gonna throw it out there i'm not an investment guy anymore i'm not a financial person no. so disclosure take this at your own risk um i bought something called dodge dodgecoin dodgecoin is basically a joke cryptocurrency that was made about seven or eight years ago it traded for about a fraction of a cent up until december and basically elon musk started tweeting on twitter about the thing Dogecoin to the moon. And basically it ran up for, from like a fraction of a cent to like eight cents a share back in February. And the running me, the, well, it's not a joke anymore. I mean, the thing has potential because Mark Cuban, him, Snoop Dogg, the guy from Kiss and Elon Musk have all made huge investments in, into this thing. So they've bought up tons of it. And some of them are talking about like it's a joke, you know, to teach their kids yeah. about finances and stuff. 
But I read today, Mark Cuban is now making it so that you're going to be able to transact business in his arena. And it's now getting implemented in NBA arenas where you can buy this thing. So to answer your question, Mike, I, I bought some of it. I bought some of it with an average cost of about five and a half cents a share. The way I look at it, it's like a lottery ticket. I didn't put anything I couldn't lose in it. But the reality yeah. is, if the thing trades to a dollar, I have a nice little hit on it. God forbid it does what Bitcoin did and go to 50,000. <laughs> this is probably not likely. Probably it's got more of a chance to, at this point to go to zero, but let's see it doesn't. You know, in five years or 10 years, I can tell you based on my little investment, and it's a small investment, you know, quote, if my mother's looking at this, don't get angry, Ma. <laughs> my wife's looking at this, don't get angry. You know, um, I can tell you this much. If it hits on that level, um, I'm going to be a multimillionaire. 10 times over. So, you know, look, I look at it this way. You know, it's like a penny stock almost. If it hits great, if it goes to zero, you know, don't play with more than you can uh, can afford. But, you know, five cents a share, you know, what's the downside? And the way I look at it is you got people like Elon Musk. You got guys like yeah. this, Snoop Dogg. I don't know what their investment is in it, but they did put money into it. So, I mean, there are a couple others as well that trade a little bit higher, but to answer your question, I think anybody out there that wants to put a little foot out there and, you know, make a little bit of a bet. And that's really what it is at this point. But I can tell you this much for these guys to all of a sudden implementing it in their, in their arenas and the NBA taking interest. It's got a little legs. Yeah. And these guys always want to be meta and, you know, they want to be on that next level. So it, 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 I would say crypto definitely has legs going into, you know, the next 20 years. Where it, it, said, Mike. I, I hear that all the time in the uh, meta meta <laughs> you're trying to be like the next big thing like you're at you're ahead of the curve you know what it sounds like you know what the acronym stands for no it drove me crazy because i watched these fifa videos where these kids talk about the meta the meta, uh -huh. the meta right it's most effective technique available yeah so that's that's what meta stands for yeah and um you know i hear it all the time in these youtube channels i'm are these kids talking about better this better that better that i think some guy i knew answered the question for me years ago on facebook and that's how i found out about it but um look i think the whole cryptocurrency i you know if you told me this about two three years ago i talked about it with my friends here and there i never in a million years thought that bitcoin would do what it did and guess what guys the thing is trading about 48 to fifty thousand dollars right now for one bitcoin there are analysts out there that are predicting that it could be 65,000 by the year's end. And they're predicting that this thing could eventually be a hundred thousand dollars within the next year or two. And this is not coming from guys like me. Mm -hmm. This is coming from like big investment firms, people, you know, who do this shit for a living. So it's worth checking out. I wanted to mention it to, uh, you know, I saw it today. I thought it was, uh, you know, worthwhile and going back to some of our uh, earlier episodes all those out there, the truth is out there, or whatever the X-Files logo is. Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, apparently had some sort of UFO sighting a couple days ago, which he posted on Twitter. So I know there are a couple people in the media that got on him, you know, Baker being maker. But again, these stories, folks, they keep on popping up every day. Who knows? Could be CTE, could be real. Who knows? Could be real. <laughs> but uh, to go from fake currency to... Fake wrestling. Oh, great stuff. Oh. I'm sure a lot of my friends out there are going to enjoy this. I'm hopefully yours too. Uh, we put it out on Twitter. 
Hopefully we get some more uh, responses. But we were talking about, Chris and I talked about who's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, pro wrestling. Question is, how many people are we talking about? Four or is it five? I'm going four. Going four. So to me, I threw in an extra three just to be on the the safe side. But my four. Number one, Hogan. Mine, yeah. Number two, Andre the Giant. Um, he's on mine. Okay. Number three and number four, same era, The Rock, we talked about last week. And number four, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I have a couple others that nearly made the cut, but to me, Rock made it for me because of just the sheer popularity of it. Stone Cold, I guess you could kind of interchange with maybe one or the other that I had as you know, runner-ups. Yeah. I think at one point Stone Cold was just as big as The Rock, if not bigger, you know, in the late 90s. So I equate, I equate Hogan and Andre the Giant as the most popular of the 70s and the 80s. And of, of the second, last 20, 30 years, Rock and Stone Cold. That's okay. what it to me. All right. I like it. I respect it. Well, I, I, I got three out of four of those. Mm. Okay. I got Hogan. Andre, Rock. Number four, though, just for staying power and the guys, uh, he's the man. Because you got to beat the man to be the man. Woo! Ric Flair. Uh, you know, he just barely missed it for me. I be, I look at Ric Flair as he is the Southern. He is below the Mason-Dixon line, Hulk Hogan. Yes. He kept wrestling on the map everywhere else. I mean, we all grew, you know, Chris and I grew up in Queens and Astoria. We basically just grew up with the WWF growing up or WWE, whatever it's called now. Right. We grew up with that stuff. We didn't know really who Ric Flair was unless you had a wrestling mat, you know, unless you could yeah. get your hands on wrestling magazines. You know, there was no, Dusty Rhodes wasn't in the WWF when we were kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. all those Southern guys, we really didn't know. Free birds. That, yeah, right. the free birds fi- eventually made their way up in like the mid 80s, I think. But we really didn't know who Ric Flair was. And then when he came up and you found the history on this guy, you know, he is Southern, you know, he's Southern wrestling and he's still going at like 70. So we hit three out of four. And I got to be honest with you, Ric Flair was on my, it was, I was going back and forth with him and Stone Cold. And maybe I'm biased to Stone Cold, but I just figured Stone Cold for me anyways, in the late nineties was as big as they got. No, him and the rock. You're absolutely right with him and the rock. They were the new era. They so ushered in guys, that whole new era. The two other guys, the three other guys, we mentioned Ric Flair, who came real close to making my top four. The other two that I thought had a shot, maybe not so much the second guy, but the first guy, Macho Man, who to me was, he was up there. Uh, I, I, he was part of, he was a great heel for and, uh, Hogan for years. And then a good friend of mine, Tony, who's all his fantasy sports team names is kind of named after this guy. Roddy Piper, who greatest probably one of the greatest heels ever. Absolutely, it just and he had a huge movie back in the eighties too. They live. They live was an awesome flick. I'm sorry, they lived an awesome flick. I'm surprised they haven't butchered it and remade it yet with somebody else. You, you're uh, okay. You not so much. Yeah, that's a great. What a great movie. That really is an underrated movie. Go watch. They live. Go watch Roddy Roddy Piper. All, ju- all juiced up because he was not that big when he was wrestling. He oh, did that movie easily 25 pounds of muscle he packs on for that. I mean, he was 
he died. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, he followed me on Twitter at one point and uh, seemed like a nice enough guy. I, he's one of my all time favorites. Like I said, my friend Tony, his um, his sports team name for his fantasy football team is Piper's Pit. And I guess he's a huge wrestling fan too. He's our age. And, uh, you know, when I look back, I mean, he was, he was, he was huge, Roddy Piper. Yeah. And you thought these guys were real back in the day, you know, like he was a real, like, piece of garbage you know yeah. beating up remember when he beat up jimmy snooker with the coconut coconut I, could you imagine that today no or shaving the haiti kids he head. would yeah he would have to there was no me he would have to like he move into he'd have to live in a cave for the rest of his life he went back and forth with mr t and cindy Lawson. yeah uh you know how about when he was training in the gym and mean gene oakland came in to interview him and bob orden and he's like we told you not to come here we told you and he basically slapped him around um, you know, listen, obviously a lot of this stuff was probably fake, you know, but, you know, listen, I, th I think for what it's worth, he was, he was a close, he was a close runner up for me. And then if you really want to get into it, there were guys like, I guess, for the old timers out there, Bruno Sammartino. Yeah. Um, Bob he just Max. died recently, Bruno Sammartino. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was like, I think he was in his nineties. And we really didn't talk about the other guys huge on Twitter, who I guess, if you really want to think about it, Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik. One of the greatest wrestling documentaries yeah that's out if you have not seen the movie chic i think it's on either hulu or netflix check that movie out holy shit the iron chic led a life man that guy had some life yeah, wow guy, man. he is a what man that dude can party that's all i know about the chic can party man he is that like they go into the whole thing. Like if you're of age, you remember him, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan got locked up for blow and like DWI in Jersey. And these guys are supposed this was back in the day when they didn't break, as it's called now, the kayfabe. Like those guys were supposed to hate each other and they were in a car together and they both got locked up for like Coke. And I think Hacksaw, Jim Duggan got DWI and they were fired from the WWE right at WWF right after that. I went to school with a, well, I didn't go, well, I was in a fraternity at St. John's for those who, who you know, who know me. And um, we worked at a strip club in the early nineties, right? Where one of our fraternity brothers was the manager. Anyways, we had this huge party at our fraternity house, you know, in Jamaica, you know, near St. John's university and um, make a long story short, there was a guy who was Iranian. The reason I bring it up, like the, like the iron, uh, mm -hmm. iron cheek was from Iran. This guy, you know, he spoke with the same accent. And anyways, we threw a massive party at the house one night. And, um, you know, basically we brought him back home, you know, to party with the fraternity and all these strippers and everybody. It was three o'clock in the morning. It was a huge party, like on a school night. Anyways, this guy comes in, he goes, looks around, he goes, you Americans don't know how to party. I show you how to party. We used to have this drinking song back in my fraternity called, it was... Here's to Brother Michael, Brother Michael, Brother Michael. Here's to Brother Michael, who's with us tonight. He's happy, he's jolly, he's shit-faced by golly. Here's to Brother Michael, who's with us tonight. So drink MF or drink MF or drink MF. Make a long story short, this guy made the comment. Me and my friend Brian, we turn around like, look at this asshole. Here he is with his Iranian accent judging us, you know, telling us that we don't know how to party. Okay, so we start singing the drinking song to him. The guy picks up a military special vodka, about two gallons full. In a span of about five minutes, he drinks the whole thing. And in the middle of drinking it, 
the guy starts going from talking like you and me to like, come here, little <laughs> <laughs> And the guy just like literally passed out. And I bring it up because he had the same accent as the Iron Sheik. And it got scary because for like three days, the guy was out. You know, we thought he died. You know, two days later, you know, I, I come back from the fraternity house. The president of the fraternity, my friend Frank, he's like, this guy, I think, is dead, bro. He's not waking up. I mean, he's breathing and stuff. What do we do with him? I go, he woke up. He was still fucked up two days later. It was really scary. Finally, third day, I guess we went to class, and he was, like, passed out on the street in front of the house, the fraternity house. Eventually, he disappeared. We saw him at work, and he was like, we never talked to him again. But uh, it was a wild story, and I, the reason I bring it up is because he sounded exactly like the Iron Sheik. <laughs> And uh, like the Iron Sheik, I guess, Iranian people, pretty crazy party. <laughs> he should have smoked crack like the Iron Sheik. I mean, maybe that would have been better for him. But uh, I actually got to meet Bob Backlund once, the oh, former. And he put me in the chicken wing and almost broke my arm. But well, we have. Uh, well, that's pretty cool. When did you meet him? When in Times Square, where the Hard Rock Cafe is now in Times Square, it used to be the WWE restaurant. Okay. The grand opening for that, I did it as a detail as a cop 25 years ago or whatever. Wow, okay. And he just came walking by, and one guy goes, yo, that's Bob Backlund. He, little guy in a tuxedo, and he's walking like the way he walked in the ring like this. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, like, yeah. yo, Bob Backlund, what's up? Came over, talked to us. He goes, want a picture? We're like, I had a camera. I was like, yeah, man, let me, I want a picture. He goes, I'll put you in the chicken wing. He put my, my wrist was in my neck. That's how high he got my arm behind my back. I almost I, I should have went line of duty for my cop friends if they know they know what I'm talking about. But I mean, he he just wrenched my arm in the back. He talked about he was running for Senate. I don't know what the hell ever happened to him. He walked away. I got the picture somewhere in my house. If I find it, I'll put it online. That's cool. But, uh, he proceeded like uh, Hulk Hogan. You know, he lost to the yeah. in that match. And then yep. Hogan beat the Sheik. And, you know, that was all she wrote. The rest is history. And then you and I, we have mutual friends that know this guy. I mean, I went to school with Bubba Ray Dudley, you know, uh, the Dudley boys. You know, you've got people that you work with and friends of yours that know him. They're in the same fraternity. You know, for the Mac people out there, he went to, uh, you know, know, he's in the same fraternity as Eddie, uh, Eddie C. You know, I'm not going to throw out his last name, but, you know, um, pretty interesting who you run into these, you know, throughout your life, you know? Yeah, you never know. Back when he was huge. Yeah, very nice guy. Shook our hands, took the pictures, hurt my arm, and then walked away. But it was very cool. It was very cool to meet like a wrestling star. Um, I think we're running out of time here. We're like over. One last thing I just want to throw out there, and then, you know, we throw out endorsements. I guess ended. I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, over guys. Don't want to take anybody's time too much, but uh, I saw today about this guy, a comedian, who was talking about, I guess, colorful individuals from his neighborhood. Right. And uh, it came to, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it jogged my memory to a guy that I think everybody from Astoria who grew up probably from like 19, the, the 70s, the 80s, probably anywhere from the age of like 35 to 50 knows this guy or heard about this guy. And I'm sure for the people out there who are not from Astoria, I'm sure you have your colorful characters, too. But me and Michael and everybody from Astoria knew a guy. He might have been a pedophile. Who knows? But he was probably a guy that was maybe 10 to 15 years older than me and Michael that would turn up at these random places on a bike, not a motorcycle, like a regular bike. 
ask us to play like flag football in the streets or whatever. And he just seemed to pop up like at the most weirdest and inopportune times. He was like one of these urban legends that, you know, you always heard stories. He's like, well, he took this guy Roy up to the, uh, the Astoria Project's rooftop and molested the guy, or he did this, or he did that. And he was all over the place. Yeah. And, you know, for those in the know, I'm talking about Pete Rose. So. Not that Pete Rose. Not that Pete Rose. All right. For, let us clarify this. Chris, this guy's name was Pete Rose. Why was he called Pete Rose? He looked exactly like Pete Rose. <laughs> if you Google a picture of Pete Rose and put this guy's picture next to it, you couldn't tell the difference. He had the bowl haircut. He had like the little gap in the teeth. He wore, yeah. maybe he used to wear a reg jacket. Yeah. He used to wear a reg jacket. Like he played the part and he rode around a story in a 10 speed and he would show up at like basketball courts, play pickup game, football. <laughs> he was a whack dude. There, there was something up. Anybody out there, you know, from Astoria, drop us a line at crack house pod. Uh, drop me a line on my Facebook page. If you got my Facebook page, we want to know what the hell ever happened to this guy. If anyone knows the story, I guarantee there's a few people from our class at a Mac that graduated with us that still stayed in Astoria. I'm sure Big Pat, you know who you know who I'm talking about, Big Pat. You've been the, you're, you're the, the mayor of Astoria. You should know whatever happened, happened to this guy, right? Pat, let us know what happened to this guy. And for those out there that don't know, when me and Michael say a Mac, a Mac is Immaculate Conception. It's the church that we grew up with where we went to grammar school. Some of the audience out there, you know, obviously they went there with us. But that's what we're talking about when we talk about a Mac. But, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about all these different colorful characters that we grew up with, and we'll try to throw out maybe a random one here or there you know, in future episodes. But um, you know, I saw that today, and the guy said something about, I guess their colorful character was called Billy Joel. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, it's Chris DiStefano's Twitter site. If you don't right. know who he is, he's a real funny comic, real <laughs> funny guy. He's a Ridgewood kid. He went to, uh, I think he's a Malloy kid. He graduated from Malloy. Okay. Played, uh, I think he played some college basketball too but real funny guy go check out his twitter page chris de stefano pissed my pants he said something to the effect of like billy joel this guy we called this homeless guy who called we called billy joel was drinking out of a pub puddle and then she did i guess take his pants off and take a take a dump in the middle of the street or something to that that nature and it made me think of this guy pete rose for whatever reason and all the conversations i've had with me and michael's mutual friend matt and uh you know obviously big pat knows knows yeah talking about but um yeah anybody out there who knows what happened to this guy he was a he was a colorful character to say the least in the woody allen vein let's put it that way oh if this guy was a lot like if he was around today doing what there would be you know people following him he oh, he he'd be on like facebook pages like keep this guy away from your family right your yeah. children right, right right um with that chris wrap up what you got baby yeah, man. So we uh, we threw out Jay, uh, you know, as far as uh, earlier, Cardinal Financial, 631-339-0853. Um, I want to throw out there two regulars that I've been pumping in the last couple of weeks. Please, um, you know, patronize La Familia in both Plainview and Smithtown. And again, uh, I explained what was happening with them a couple of weeks ago. Um, DJ Chris Clash, that's my personal DJ business. Please, if you have any music needs, COVID's going to come to an end at some point. I'm sure everybody's ready to party. Got St. Patrick's coming up a couple day, a couple weeks from now. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe me and you all talk off the air about that. And then uh, 
let's say I want to throw out a good friend of mine. So the guy I used to work for at the strip club that I talked about you know, earlier, yeah. the guy. Well, he runs a business. He's a great guy. He's run multiple nightclubs. Um, he's a huge guy. Tommy Devitt, he's a story guy, by the way. And um, Tommy runs a shopping business. So basically, if you don't want to go into a supermarket and you know shop for groceries and stuff, Tommy has a whole team of people, himself included, that will do it for you. His business is called Shop Dumpling. It's uh, S-H-O-P dot D-U-M-P-L I-N-G dot U-S uh, backslash backslash T-O-M 769. And his telephone number is 917-559-8264. Give him a call. You know, for some of the folks out there that, you know, are a little hesitant with COVID still and don't want to go into a supermarket or they don't want to order through Amazon or, you know, DoorDash or whatever, check Tommy out. He's a local guy. He's from Astoria. I think he's in Nassau County now, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, if you have a need and you reach out to him, you know, you know, he'll, he'll help you out. All right. Um, as always, crack house pod at Twitter, the crack house podcast underscore between the words, the crack house, the crack house podcast at Instagram. Check me out. Michael Sullivan on Facebook. Uh, my buddy, Jack, I can paint, check out his work. He's always available for commissions. Uh, SOF bad monkey, Paulie and the boys vets for vets. And uh, if you're in the Greenwood Lake area, go check out the Irish whisper. Always a good time. Joe will take care of you. Um, we'll see you next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but I'm sure we'll be a lot to talk about. Chris, thanks for joining me as always. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.